The message for today kind of stems from and what we did in Wyoming. And um, one of the things that you do every day at the end of the day is a fireside time. You know, you sit at the fire campfire and you get hot about uh, the Ghost of Book of Jonah. And now today we're going to go through the Book of Jonah together. Um, in this life, we face lots of surprises. You don't have to put that up yet. Some good, some bad. In the last few weeks, we hired a senior pastor. That's a good story. Some not bad, not, some not so good, some bad. Uh, one of my neighbors I found out yesterday had a, a help to turn to the worst. And Kind of unexpected. And, you know, there are some good surprises, there are some bad surprises, and we're all unique when it comes to surprises. Some of us hate all surprises, some of us love them. Now, I need to show of hands. Raise your hand if you like surprises. Yeah, put them up. These are the people you want to invite to the party. Okay? Raise your hand if you're not a fan of surprises. Probably the rest of you, or maybe you're somewhere in between. Generally, I love surprises. I, uh, I'm kind of the person that takes life as it comes. I'm just kind of laid back, and yeah, if I get surprised, that's awesome. Uh, it's been about four years now that I received a surprise that I wasn't ready for. And um, it took me by surprise, and it was a surprise that I didn't want. And it was um, about four years ago that I was let go at Cat- or with my Dell, my engineering job. And um, it was unexpected in the fact that I was actually doing work for the company, and due to cuts through Caterpillar and contracted work, um, my job was one of them that uh, had to be cut. And you don't expect to go into work that day and find out you're losing your job. Not a surprise I was ready for. And yet, God worked in that, in that time of, of being off, and um, God surprised me again. And he goes, I want you to go into ministry. Like, I love working with youth. Is, is that where you want me to go? What do you want me to do, God? And, and um, through encouragement here um, from Pastor Bill and through Brandon and um, a Various others, I, I, I pursued going after a degree uh, in theological studies, and um, I'll be done in, in uh, Octo- technically October. My graduation is December, so this year I'm done. And, and God is uh, God is continuing to surprise me, and so today we are going to go after your capacity for trust, awe. And that God has a plan for you that you may not fully realize. It doesn't matter if you like surprises or not. We are all designed for wonder. If you and I were having a conversation over lunch, after the studying this week, I'd probably ask you this question. Tell me the last time you were amazed by God. If you think about that, when's the last time you were amazed by God? Now, I want you to understand my heart on this. God is eternal. He's infinite. He's beyond all understanding and wild imagination. If we aren't regularly surprised by him, we aren't experiences, experiencing his presence to the fullest. 
as one of your pastors for a year, my, as the intern pastor, my mission when I'm up here is to help you experience God to the fullest. And so today we're going to look at the life of Jonah. There's four snapshots as we go through. We're, I'm going to go through the whole book, and I know that seems like a big task, but today you're not getting the full story. You can think of today's message as a movie trailer. The full-length feature is when you go home and you decide to read Jonah on your own sometime today, or maybe this week. So we're going to get to the first surprise, and now you can put that up there, Jesse. The first surprise is go. The word of the Lord, we're in, if you are in Jonah, I'm starting in chapter 1, and I'm reading 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amitati. That's how I'm going to say it. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Huge surprise for Jonah. God said, go to Nineveh. Totally unexpected mission. That's a key issue in the surprise, his mission. Now let me explain, I gave you some notes real quick. The first fill in the blank is the surprise from God, which is go. And in the parentheses section is the critical life issue impacted by the surprise. God tells him and surprises him, go. And so his mission is affected. Jonah's a prophet for Israel. He's supposed to prophesy and to let people, uh, the Israelites, know about God and what God is speaking about and telling them to do. And God tells him to go to Nineveh. Now, maybe you don't know Nineveh. Let me, let me talk about Nineveh a little bit. It's a big deal. God told him to go to Nineveh because Nineveh is Israel's worst enemy. It wasn't just out of the box thinking. It was obliterate the box and the box making factory thinking to go to Nineveh. Nineveh was a major city of the Assyrian people. They were evil. They were brutal. They didn't just conquer nations. They did war crime stuff. God said to go to his worst enemy. And maybe that's hard to put in perspective, but I'm going to try right here in this little, this little statement. This calling would be similar to God saying to a Jewish person during World War II to go into Berlin and to re- tell them to repent. <clears throat> so Jonah got on a boat and went in the opposite direction. He ran away. However, it wasn't like Jonah lacked conviction. He wasn't spiritually weak, right? He was a prophet of God called to whatever God told him to do. And he runs. Runs to Tarshish on a boat. If you don't know in the story, there's a huge storm that God whips up and throws out onto this sea and it engulfs the boat. In the original text, it literally says the boat thought to break apart. This storm was so bad that the crew, the people that were on the ship, Seasoned sailmen, people who were on the sea often were afraid of this storm. So afraid that their boat was going to break apart. That's what they thought. And so they're throwing cargo overboard, trying to save their ship. And how do you make money in this time? You don't throw your cargo away. 
They're all scared. They're ready to die. And they were probably thinking, I'm never going to see land again. I'm never going to talk to people again. I'm not, I, who knows what was running through their mind but fear. And they knew that Jonah was the cause of the storm. And so they confronted him and they said this to Jonah. And I'm in uh, 9 and then I'm going to jump ahead to 12. They, they talked to Jonah and Jonah replies, I am Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then he tells them, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Jonah takes a stand for God. Isn't that kind of awesome? He's like, I worship the God of heaven and who made the sea and dry land. And he takes a stand for God. That's awesome. In the midst of him running away, he stands for God. At first glance, it seems admirable. Um, I hope I can be like that when I'm in a put in a situation in a spot where I have the opportunity to stand for God. However, if you look deeper, Jonah's stand happened in the wrong place, right? He was supposed to go elsewhere. He wasn't supposed to be on a boat. He was on a boat in an ocean during a storm, and he was supposed to be in Nineveh taking a stand for God. God knew Jonah was capable of so much more in his faith. Out of all of the Israelites, God chose Jonah to go beyond current comfort of his convictions. And in this, we see the first barrier to being surprised by God, and that's comfort. Comfort will keep you from the awe of God. Uh, it's been a little over, it's been about a year and I was in Haiti, a little over a year. And I, I went to Haiti with the youth and I will tell you that the culture shock was very real getting there that first day. I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. I, I was like, we got into Haiti and we got to the camp we were going to be staying at and I hid in the building. Now you students you may not know that because you guys were out playing with the Haitians I hid. I kind of know what Jonah is doing. He's hiding. He's, he's going away. He's running. It, 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 it's hard to give up comforts. Haiti's hot and humid and, and sticky and bugs. And it's hard to sleep at night because of the heat and the noises. And that's giving up comfort. But we went and we did ministry to to the Haitian children through VBS and through work projects and neighbors of the camp. Jacob Brown just got back from Haiti and he's talking about his trip right now. He felt called to go. God called him back to Haiti and he went and he worked. Cassidy Locke, she heard a call from God to help support the missionaries in Haiti. And how did that look? That looked like putting on a volleyball tournament to raise money. So much so that in her weakness, in the struggles of the first volleyball tournament, um, she didn't know she was going to meet her goal, and God provided in that last week. <clears throat> God doesn't just talk to Jonah or to people going on missions trips. God is also talking to you, telling you to go too. He's given you a mission. I don't know what it is, but I know it's huge. It's bigger than you can handle on your own. If your mission is something you can manage on your own without God's help, then it's not from God. What is your mission? 
What might God be calling you to? To cross the street and talk to a neighbor? The unconnected on your campus at school? Start serving somewhere in the church? What is God calling you to? And this is the surprise from God. When he gives the mission, it's always so big that we must learn to depend upon him in new ways, in different ways. We have to trust in God. Now, the story doesn't end there. Jonah gets thrown overboard, and we move into the second surprise, which is remember. I don't know if it was suicide or sacrifice, but Jonah chose to be thrown in the sea, and he had every expectation to die there. I find Jonah to be a little bit of a humorous book, because Jonah's like, I'm just going to I'm gonna make sure I don't make it to Nineveh, and I'm going to have him throw me overboard, and I'll die in the water. The great thing is that rejection of God's plan didn't keep him from remembering God at the last moments of life. Jonah 1.17, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I can just imagine sitting in the water thinking, I'm ready to die, and then this fish eats you. (laughs) If you don't think God has humor, you catch that, right? He spends time in a fish, and I think oftentimes I viewed um, being in, a, in the fish as like in the movie Pinocchio when they're inside the whale and they're hanging out on their dock and, you know, there's plenty of space. And No, I don't think that's like that. Can you imagine what a stomach of a fish is like? <clears throat> yeah. Jonah 2, 2 and 7 says this, In my distress, in the midst of being inside this fish, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. And God, hearing that prayer, the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah onto dry land. Jonah 2.10 Jonah didn't have to remember God. He didn't have, he could have died bitter and disobedient. The first surprise was his mission. The second prize was all about his confession. When God called us to remember him, we experience freedom and rest as we lay down our guilt. When God calls us to go, it's exciting and uplifting and inspiring. But at some point when we veer off course, we need to have another kind of surprise from God. And that's remembering him. Remembering who he is. You know, we can get caught up in in the things that we've done. And God calls us to do stuff. And sometimes I think there's a complacency that can set in. We We can start to forget what God has done. And we just, day to day stuff, get caught up in it. But we've been called, God calls us to remember him. As someone who works with the youth, my wife and I, we try to make it a point to go to at least one of the youth events that's going on each year, whether it's a sports game, a band concert, or one of the plays. Um, What's amazing is to see them work together with their peers. In sports, it's them working together towards a touchdown or a goal or a point in volleyball. In band, no instrument stands out from the arrest when you're in the middle of a song. In the drama, the cast and crew work together to put on a performance. These things 
couldn't have happened if they weren't on the same page. In each activity, they were completely in sync and on the same page. Are you on the same page with God? Do you do, what do you need to do to get back in sync? If you are out of sync, how do you get back into sync? Confess a secret to God. Maybe you have a secret that you've been like, I, it's mine and I'm not ready to let it go and, and nobody can help me. But you know what's cool is that God knows all of the ugly stuff about us, about who we are, and he still loves us completely. He loves us completely. What can you tell the God who knows everything? You can tell him anything. He wants to hear from you. He loves us completely, and we can see that in the book of Jonah. Why? Because he loves the enemies of the Israelites. And he calls them in the midst of the Assyrians and their sin in Nineveh. He calls Jonah to go and tell them to repent in their wicked ways. He calls them. God loves us. I was frustrated last week over a couple things. I got a new computer through various circumstances. God blessed me with a new computer. Um, but it has come with some frustrations. And I felt like that some of those frustrations I let spill over into my home. It was just little things. It wasn't anything major, but it, it was something. And if we can't be faithful with the small things, we won't be trusted with greater things. Guilt... And the things that we keep to ourselves and the secrets, guilt reduces our capacity for wonder. Therefore, if we want to experience the infinitely wonderful God, we need to remember him and confess our guilt. The third surprise. The exciting word, obey. Dealing with this with my son. Obey. Not very friendly. However, obedience is biblical and we need to talk about it. Scripture constantly assaults selfishness. Scripture constantly assaults our selfish nature. And we read in in Jonah 3, 3 through 5, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed in all of them, from the greatest to the king, to the least of them, to their animals, put on sackcloth and fasted. Jonah had a very easy message. Something like this. Doom! You're all going to die. That was Jonah's message. He got to tell the people he hated so much that they were going to die. And that was his mission from God. I want you to go to your enemies and tell them they're going to die. For most of the prophets, their main message was return to God. Jonah didn't even have to say that. His message was you're all going to die. He didn't have to tell them you worship false gods. He didn't tell him, He didn't have to tell them that. He just said you're going to die. And I want you to, I, this is my opinion, and I want you to know that this is my opinion, um, is that God gave Jonah this message because he was too weak. He was filled with anger and bitterness, and for the message of grace, God gave him simple words to say. Jonah knew God was a God of compassion, but he didn't tell the Ninevites that. All he said was, 
In 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. But the bigger point and the point the scriptures make is that Jonah obeyed God. And that's great. It's a great thing, even if he was bitter. Obedience is deep. Knowledge isn't deeper than obedience. We could fill your head with all kinds of facts about the Bible. We could stand up here and give you some really interesting facts about what's in there, because there's some interesting stuff. But if we don't obey, all of the knowledge in the world is worthless. God doesn't call us to know everything. He just calls us to obey him. Knowledge is good. It's important, but not more important than doing the right thing. There's a trap in knowledge. It's called puffing up pride. When we know a lot, it's easy to think that we're better better than others. Receiving a mission from God is meaningless without obedience. The critical issue here is decision. You have to decide to obey. Having a mission is inspiring, it's exhilarating, but it will never come to fruition without some kind of action. Talk is cheap. That's why in James 2 it says, faith without deeds is dead. Obedience is difficult. But it's not complicated. It's not confusing. Obedience is all about our convictions. God meets us where we're at. In our weakness, he meets us. Do the good you know you should do. In this, here is is where we get surprised by God. And where Jonah gets surprised by God. In Jonah 3.10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. He turned from his wrath against Nineveh because of how they repented. God uses us to do great things. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to work through us. This is a wonderful mystery that God does in our lives. As you take a moment to hear God speaking in your life, where is he calling you to obedience? As you're thinking about this message and, and missions and, and, and confession, and where do you think God is calling you to obedience? A disobedient life reduces our sense of trust towards God. Our, our sense of awe and wonder toward God. And then we get to the last surprise. Last surprise is acceptance. And the last surprise, Jonah says to God, God, I'm sorry, God says to Jonah, accept my ways, even though they are different from your ways. And the critical issue here is submission. It is one thing to accept what God is doing when everything is going according to our plans. It's easy to praise him when we get what we want. You find a hundred bucks on the ground. Thank you, God. Your parents tell you that you never have to do chores for the rest of your life. (laughs) Thank you, God. (laughs) The teacher cancels the midterm, and so everyone can stop worrying about studying, and you can actually go do something fun. Thank you, God. But what about when God's plan doesn't line up with your, your plan? Why didn't he help me make the team that I was trying out for? Why is their family so much better than mine? Why did... You have to take that person away from me. God, why are you blessing them and not me? We get angry at God, I think, sometimes in our lives. And that's natural. 
I want you to know that it's natural to be angry with God. As long as you're coming to him about it. Check how this is how Jonah responds. In Jonah 4, 1 through 4, he says, But to Jonah this seemed very wrong, and he became angry at God's churning from judgment on Nineveh. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall in fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from ascending calamity. Jonah knew God was like that. And he tried to prevent the, the Ninevites from, from knowing God. Because he knew his enemies would be saved. Now, Lord, Jonah says, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live, knowing that my enemies have been saved. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? I love that God didn't say, don't be angry. Isn't that the absolute worst? Just just think about it. Does anyone here have anger issues? It's okay. Secretly, some of you are angry that I'm even asking you about anger issues. When I'm angry, I can tell you the one thing that doesn't help me, and that says, when somebody says, don't be angry. So let's break down anger for a minute. Anger is connected to your sense of justice, your beliefs about what is right and wrong. When the scales get tipped too much towards wrong, you get angry. Anger can yield great personal insight. That is why the Bible says in Ephesians 4.26, In your anger, do not sin. Instead, it says, paraphrased, you should be silent on your, you should sit on your bed and be silent. (laughs) Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Your anger can tell you what you actually believe. And once you know this, you can evaluate it according to God's word. You find out what your anger is. You can base your anger on, well, what is it that I believe? Why am I getting angry? You begin to evaluate your beliefs. And through that comes correction in God's word. God meets Jonah in his anger. On the top of the hill with the sun and the heat and the wind beating down on Jonah, there's even a plant and there's a worm. And like I said, if you read this week, you'll discover... All of this in the book of Jonah. But God meets Jonah and asks, is it right for you to be angry? Can you accept that my ways are not your ways? God is saying this. I care for you and I care for them. I care for you and I care for them. Now, just one more time. Did you hear that? I care for you and I care for them. I wish you could see the big picture, Jonah. In a few years, I'm going to send my son to die for the world I care about. Your work is helping me set the stage for this. You see, there is no you and there is no them. Not from where I sit as the creator. I care for you. I care for all of you. And Jonah was angry at God. An entire nation was saved, and he couldn't see the wonder in this. Our misplaced anger hinders 
our awe of the Maker. Of these, so, of these four surprises, which one do you think you need most in your life? For God to call you to go and surprise you with a new mission? For you to be remembered about who God is and, and be surprised about who He is? Maybe you need your surprise in the fact that you just need to obey. Or maybe it's just acceptance in who God is and His will. And so to sum it all up, the great surprise of Jonah is this. God's grace is for the outsider. Everyone matters because God says they matter. Everyone either, everyone here has either experienced his grace or they need to experience his grace. Everyone outside of this building has either experienced his grace or need to experience his grace. Who is the outsider? The outsider is not race or culture or social status. It's something much more important than that. Everyone outside of God's grace is an outsider. God, God doesn't care for the God doesn't just care for the evil Assyrians or the disobedient Jews. He also cares for unfair bosses and entitled neighbors and two-faced friends. Maybe you're still thinking, yeah, but that's not me. This doesn't apply to me. Well, maybe, maybe this illustration will help you. And I, I'm going to have to ask for some help in this. And I, what I'm bringing to you is the last day of Wayumi and when we talk about teamwork. And um, I'm going to call you up, and I, it's only because I need you as somebody who can hold a sign for me. So <clears throat> let me uh, get Annie. I need you to come up here, please. I've got a good task for you. This will be funny, too. Mason, can you come up here, too? (laughs) You see, when we start thinking, um, Jonah goes on mission. He's sent by God to go be a missionary to a people outside his people group. And so um, when we think about missions, we think about maybe Guy and Kayla. Or maybe Colin Edwards, and they go to a people group outside of who we are in our culture. And um, so you two, for the purpose of this exercise, I'm going to make you a couple that have decided that you want to go do missions to a people group who've never been reached before, who've never heard the word of God. And so why don't you guys come stand here and face that way. And I know Annie is very gifted in language. And I know you're probably not very medical, but I'm going to give you the medical. You guys just keep that facing that way, all right? Uh, Here, you can have some culture. These are gifts that they have. They're representing gifts that they have as they go into the missions field. Oh, translation. There you go, Annie. Oh, there's some literacy. Now, make sure they can see those words, okay? Oh, here's some linguistics. Can you hold that one, too? Maybe some teaching. Oh, maintenance. That's most important. When you're out in the field, you've got to be able to do maintenance. Can you juggle all that? No, yeah, I didn't think so. Um, Ron and Sue, can you guys come up? You, you see, when we go, when missionaries go out in the field, they have to have partners in ministry. And so, Ron and Sue, why don't you come over here and want, can you grab uh, two from um, from them so that you guys can help? Uh... <clears throat> yeah. And so, when they go out into the field, they're doing ministry together to reach a people group, and these are their skills. 
Okay, but they can't do it on their own. There's a whole bunch of other stuff that, that's hidden, that, that is the inner workings of people going out to be missionaries. So, um, will you be my government representative? You go stand right next to Ron, and you just hold that right out there. Here, why don't you be the public relation guy? Cassidy, I know that your love is for support and raising money and whatnot, so go stand over there. Um, I need somebody who can train staff, Dalton. Come on. I'm just going to throw a couple out just so I can make it easier here. Oh, secretary. We've got to have a secretary and some office staff. Mmm, Jill. <laughs> Karen, is Karen? Nope, she's not here, is she? She was the one who, she's like, I want to do that. I want to do administration on this trip. Janelle, you have a gift of administration. Hmm. What else do I have here? Oh, Kyle. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, I'm going to pick on Kyle just a little bit. Because of Wayumi, he felt God calling him to be a missionary pilot. And so I'm going to give that to him. Who likes to spend people's money? And it's not your own money. Megan, is that? Is that... <laughs> um, who, computer, who's my techie person? Somebody that enjoys technology. Clay, come on down. Um, an accountant. Shaylin, why don't you come up here? Construction. Brandon. Oh, Megan, I should have given you this one. Uh... And then I need a school teacher. I, that's why I said Megan. Huh? Janine? You want to be my school teacher? And Chris, I need you to come hold churches. Now, the reason I put these people up here, and the reason they're different colors, is because these people here are the spearhead into missions. They're the people that are actually in, in the field and are learning culture and language and, and trying to translate our Bible, the Bible that we know, the English Bible, into a language that people have never heard before. That's their job. They can't do this without all the rest of these people. And all of these people are, have giftedness in some way. <clears throat> Brennan may not be called to go out and to the field and spend many years teaching a people group, but he's got gifts in construction and building management and building, and he could use that temporarily. He could go in for a week and help build a house. The support that comes in for the missionaries, Megan needs to know the missionaries well enough that she can just go out and buy everything they need. Maybe your job is just in the office. And it may not seem like much, but you represent all of those tasks that nobody really wants to take care of in terms of, um, you know, printing stuff and, you know, getting articles out and all the small things, making copies. And um, 
your role is just as important because people don't find out about this if the small stuff isn't getting taken care of as well. And you know what's most important about all of these blue people? They all stem from the church. None of this can happen without the church first standing in, in, in saying, God, we believe and trust in you, and we want people to know about who you are. We want, to know, want people that have never heard your name, we want them to know about you. And so out of the church rises, rises up these people. These people come out of the church. And so this is our arrow. We have the spearhead, we have our shaft, and then we have the feathers, the knock, the bind. You know, everything comes from the church. It doesn't fly without the church. And you know what's really cool about this? And maybe you saw it while I was handing it out, but if they all flip their cards, every single one of them is a missionary. And I think when we view missionaries, we view this as missions. We view Guy and Kayla and and them being in the field. We view the people that leave the country and go as the missionaries. But guess what? I got news for you. We're all missionaries. God calls us at some point to go. And that may look small at first. That may look like going across the street and talking to your neighbor. But you are a missionary. You guys can you guys can go sit down. Thank you. This message... is about you and God. We can read from Jonah and we can learn from what Jonah did and ultimately it comes down to this. It's between you and God. Your spiritual life. In these last few minutes, I want you to think about your relationship with others. Your community life. Two kinds of people today. Those who have heard, those who have a heart for the outsider. Do you have a heart for the outsider or are you in the second camp? Those who don't, don't yet have a heart for the outsider. Your challenge, and I'm going to end with this, your challenge this week, and I'm going to challenge you as a church, and I hope you take this to heart and think about it. Maybe you're called to go out to a people group who don't know you, and maybe you're not. Maybe God's calling you to go to your enemy and and to proclaim doom and destruction on you unless you come to know Christ. I, I don't know. I don't know what God's going to call you to, but I pray that you have your heart open to what he's calling you to. So your challenge. In Matthew, we are called to be the salt and the light. And so this week, I want you to be the salt and the light, and that's the salt and light challenge. What could it look like to represent Christ to the world? I want you to pray for five friends who don't know Jesus. I want you to try to serve them in some practical way this week. And then when you feel the time is right, I want you to speak up. God will, God will tell you. If you're praying about this and you're serving them, God will tell you when the time is to speak up. So I've given you some blanks. You can write your initials. Write the initials of your five friends. We are called to go. We are called to be the salt and the light.
Jesus doesn't want us to sit in our comfort because the glory of the kingdom of God doesn't get accomplished by us sitting in our comfort. Where is God calling you today? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the story of Jonah. Thank you for this example of your love to, to people outside of your chosen people, the, the Gentiles, Father. Thank you for um, just who you are and that it doesn't, you don't see us different, that you see us as just somebody you love. And God, I, I pray that as we think about Jonah today and, and his mission and our mission, Father, I pray that we would turn our hearts to you, that we would open our hearts and, and that we wouldn't be quick to, to turn away the thought of going, Father. That we wouldn't be scared and that we would be able to stand firm in the fact that you are calling us to go and reach people. That people need to know Christ, Father. And I pray for this church. I pray for this body. Father, that you would raise us up. Help us to have strong convictions of knowing your son and making your son known. Help us to go out and reach to this community, Father. Help us to be the light that you have sent forth in the world. Help us to to show the love of Christ in everything that we do. God, thank you. Thank you for your son. Because through this, it wouldn't be possible without your son dying on the cross and taking our sins and then rising again three days later. So I thank you that we have a message that is is worthy to be proclaimed and it, it is good news, Father. Help us to leave here today knowing that. It's in Jesus' name I pray.